This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day. Welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset. Nick, how have you been? I'm good, Bob. I'm doing well. Um, very life overall is fantastic. We have a minor complication in that I caught COVID. So that's no bueno, not fun. Um, oh. But compared to what I've heard from a lot of people and what I've seen from different patients, um, I could have had it a lot worse. Yeah. Well, how are you feeling? Um, a little bit beat up, a little bit tired, kind of fatigued, but otherwise I'm doing all right. All right. So no, 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 no crazy fever. Um, you know, I'm not bounding up blood or anything crazy like that. Yeah. Haven't turned into a zombie yet. So we're we're hanging yeah. in there. Sure. Well, well, I hope you feel better soon. You know, on the bright side, Nick. Um, so so just a little backstory. Yesterday, you texted me out of the blue and I'm like, hey, I can do this podcast either Thursday or Friday uh, before your time, and I was like on a Thursday or Friday? And, and now I finally understand because, <laughs> because you caught COVID, you have time. <laughs> that is exactly so, what happened. I would I would much rather be, you know, at work helping people out, but since I can't be, I might as well get something cool done. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited. So we're, we're really just uh, going off the cuff here. I, I think last episode we talked about how we, we may just kind of introduce – I don't know, some, some clinical reasoning discussion, talk about a case, and just see where it goes. Um, there's no plan. It's just we're we're kind of kind of aiming and then firing. <laughs> Absolutely, Bob. You know, fire, uh-huh. ready, aim. Yeah, unless you have a plan, Nick. <laughs> no, I I, 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 have, I have a very I, I have a very loose one, Bob. Um, so I, I got a case ready for us, and my thought process is. I'll present it, give you a little bit of background info on it, um, kind of basically some of the very simple stuff that I got from initial subjective, um, and um, I won't get into too many objective findings yet because I want to see kind of where your reasoning takes us. If you want to have any additional questions that you'd ask during subjective things to figure out whatever you'd want to figure out, uh, then you can basically just, you know, run me through objective of, Hey, what was what would this finding look like, or what did this look like, or what did this look like? Um, I will, to the best of my knowledge, fill in with everything that actually happened. If there are things or tests or measures that you bring up that I didn't test, what I'll do is I'll keep it honest to the case, and I'll kind of fill in. Hey, this is what I would expect that I would find if that happened. So I can't guarantee I I would do everything that you would do, but we'll figure out what goes on. You know, I'm all for it, Nick. Well, <laughs> let's see how where this takes us. Absolutely. It can, so uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, sorry, sorry to just just uh, a little caveat. This could either be a great episode or fantastic one, or it can be one that kind of just goes up in flames. But we'll, we'll, we'll. absolutely. <laughs> well, Bob, how about this? Let's let's hold a commitment to each other. If this happens to go up in flames, let's at least at least make it fun. Yeah, I mean that that's what this podcast is about to me. <laughs> cool, dude. So awesome. All right, so I've got this guy um, coming to the clinic. He is in his late 30s, um, ex-football player. He's coming in about, just to give you a little bit of like anthropomorphic qualities to him, about 6'5", um, weighing in around 280. The reason that's relevant is because he had recently dropped 60 pounds. He's trying to get in better shape. So he was at 340 before, kind of naturally by himself over the last year, dropped a bunch of weight, feeling good about himself. He's coming in because his main concern is he's at a sticking point with the weight. He's having a hard time um, dropping more weight. He wants to go from the 280 he's at now, go down to about 220 or so. So it's a big jump for him, but he's kind of done it before he's gotten half it out of the way. The thing that's stopping him this time is he's running into a barrier with his exercise. Um, any kind of cardio he does is very limiting for him because of his pain. And same thing with a decent amount of the weightlifting, especially in the core, lower body, upper body. He's for the most part okay. Uh, Bob, his main pain location is thoracic pain. So we're talking on the left side, um, ribs approximately, um, we're going to give a broad span here, T6 to T8, T9, on starting from just barely lateral to the thoracic, to the thoracic spine. 
wrapping around all the way to not quite all the way anterior, but um, all the way lateral for sure and a tiny bit anterior around the direction of the ribs. Pain is constant but varying, so he always for the last, and this has been going on for a long time, for the last about 10, 12 years, he's had some form of pain there at a low level always. When he exercises with exertion, the pain increases, sometimes making it hard to tolerate that for him. Um, other than later on, if he has a lot of soreness or stiffness or limitations, it's a sharp shooting pain um, that can make it hard to breathe at times as well. And you said when he gets worse, he loses motion, like he gets stiffer? Is that what you said? Yeah, so like after exercise, when he tries pushing through, it's challenging for him to do that because afterwards he gets more stiff, other than he gets a sharp shooting sensation in the distribution of the rib and wrapping around laterally. That makes it very painful for him, and he wants to avoid that, and it's hard for him sleeping later. Yeah, okay. What else do you want well, to know? Well, my first thought, you mentioned thoracic pain. It's been constant. He's been losing weight, but it sounds like it's, it's been on purpose. He's relatively young, and, and it's been going on for so long. But, but has he been worked up just in general? Has Say that last part again. Uh, has he been worked up? Like, like has, has there been any imaging or anything? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. M- medically, he's all clear. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. medically, what, what, what they did, Bob, is they did um, – they basically, by the time he got to me, um, throughout the last five years or so, he's had MRIs of cervical, lumbar, and thoracic. And thoracic showed nothing at all, um, completely clean there, um, although he is curious about getting a second opinion because it's been going on for so long. Cervical um, showed a couple of things, but it was actually um, didn't seem to necessarily correlate, um, and that's what the doctor told him too, but I told him I was going to check that out in objective examination. Um, I can tell you there are a couple of things that were interesting about cervical, but nothing that was whatsoever um, related to his symptoms at all. Other than okay. lumbar, showed that he had an incidental finding on the contralateral side, right-sided L4, L5 disc protrusion, um, but that's on the opposite side. Interesting. Okay. Wow. That's, that's a... And that, um, just, just to clarify, that is non-painful for him. But he did not know about that until um, the finding came up on MRI. Got it. And uh, besides exercise, anything else that bothers him? Um, sleeping after exercise, it's always there a little bit. It's hard for him taking deep breaths in, um, yeah. okay. like for a l- large expansion. That's prim- that's primarily it. Um, sometimes if he when he's driving. That's the other thing, actually, is driving, leaning back, sitting up against the chair. So any kind of pressure directly in that thoracic area is sensitive for him. All right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, I have actually the exact same. <laughs> it hasn't been going on for so uh, that long, and it's more so intermittent, but I have the exact same pain um, description of a patient that I'm treating currently. Um but yeah, is there any more information? Okay, so, so Bob, Bob, here's here's where we have a fork in the road. We can either sure. say, hey, I'll finish taking you through this patient, or we can jump right ahead to your patient. I have no preference. You know, <laughs> this, this is why I love this podcast with you, Nick. Huh? At, any ro- at any point, there can be always a fork in the road, and we can just always shift gears like that. Um, l- let's just focus on your patient. Um, cool, and then, and then maybe a future episode, we'll bring your patient in to compare and contrast a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you for sure. My my current patient, I'm not sure. I can figure it out. Um, oh, okay. But but, <laughs> but I'm getting him back to 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 get more worked up um, in terms Good. of imaging. And I think that that's a big difference right away. Right, is your initial question of, hey, is there additional work that needs to be done anytime as PTs that we don't know the answers fully and can't find them early for health and safety of our patient? Let's make sure we get a medical workup to find some answers. Yeah, especially in the thoracic spine. Like, if it was low back, it, I, I wouldn't really be as concerned, but, but just because a lot of things go on in the thoracic spine, um, just just something to consider as well. But, okay, uh, so, so anything else in terms of the history, or, or you want to, uh, you want me to ask or something? I, I want I want you to ask, but that is the majority of the pertinent history. That is all the true, crucial, pertinent history to the case. Okay, and obviously he's feeling pain at this very moment that we're sitting here. He's, he's correct. He's feeling pain. Let's say he has a baseline level of 2 out of 10 pain. 
at this moment. Yeah. And just to clarify, in terms of pain location, you mentioned the thoracic left rib. Is there anything else? Like, does he have neck pain? Does he have shoulder, arm, anything like that? Yep, good question. Um, so no pain in either of the arms at all. Um, he will get some pain as his pain gets worse in the thoracic area, radiating up to the neck, um, less so from a facet or otherwise description, but more so um, in terms of like an upper trap type distribution, that's a tightness. That's um, We can get into that through objective a little bit, but that is more consistent with a secondary muscular action um, and like guarding, compensating around it, as opposed to referral from facet or disc. And that's both both upper traps, or is it just uh, no, just just the involved side. Okay, huh? That's interesting. That that changes a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, anything in the lower back? Like, does it radiate down there too, or is it just in that? Nope, it it stops from. So he has some paraspinal stiffness and tightness guarding. That's probably from about T five down to T ten um, on just that ipsilateral left side, but sure. no pain in the low back. He just happens to have that um, MRI disc finding on the right side. Yeah. So just to clarify, Nick, I mean, I mean, his main complaint he, when he comes into the thing, uh, the, the episode or the episode of care with you is rib pain. Is sharp shooting it rib is pain. That, it is that rib pain. But then once you kind of ask more questions, it's from like the left upper trap to around T9 ish. And uh, so let me let me clarify. Um, no, those are additional locations. His main location is rib, I'm going to say between rib six and eight, um, just at that, like, costo-transverse junction, radiating to his far lateral side of the body. And it's um, be, it's a combination of a deep ache and then sharp shooting as well at times. Okay. But, but it's, it's basically two spots, left upper trap and then rib six and eight. So it doesn't, it's not continuous. It, it's not correct. It's not continuous. It's two distinct yeah. different locations, as well as having a paraspinal stiffness aching feeling that's very minimal concern to him. But that paraspinal feeling goes all the way from T4 to T9 or T10, and that would okay. be technically a third location as well. Cool. Yeah, this this is interesting. I never, actually never talked about, like, a case or anything like this over uh, audio. <laughs> it, 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 we sure. definitely have its limitations for sure, right? Where I'm giving this verbal description, you're doing your best to get the body chart and make sure we're an understanding. Um, so I'm sure there'll be hiccups along the way, but I think of it like resistance training and deficit training, right? You don't have all your tools. So what can you rely on even more? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, I personally, uh, so did anything happen 10, 10 something years ago that, that, yeah. that he remembers? Good question. Um, no, there is nothing of significance around that time. Okay, and, and why? And I, actually, actually what, 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 one more thing I should add to that, Bob. Um, it was um, the pain was around that long. He recently had the pain. The reason he's coming to me now is the pain got worse actually about a year ago as he lost a lot of the weight intentionally. Got it. Yeah. Um, my, yeah. my, you're right. My, my hesitation that you're um, that you're saying is because I remember that there wasn't any big event. There was something small that caused it, but I honestly can't remember. Yeah. Um, but there's you there's could, no. You could just make there, something up. Okay. Cool. Um, let's <laughs> say let's say that um, jeez, oh, trying to make something up that's not going to conflict it. Um, let's say he had, he had a sprain of that reason. Let's say that he was um. Oh, shit, what do I want to go with here? That's right. Let's say he, he was, was let's say for... he was he was doing a workout, right? Let's say he was doing some lat pull downs, and okay. he's he sprained the back, um, irritated some crap in there, and he's been recovering slowly. Pain kind of got down to a very baseline low level. He basically ignored it because it was tolerable. Sure. Okay. That's fine uh, with me. Um, all right, I, I would I would move on at this point. I, I have a good indication of where to go in my head. Okay, um, so move, moving on, meaning you're done with subjective, you're good for objective information. Yeah, if, if red flags are cleared, if yep. this is yeah, then I I'd probably move on to. I probably talk about goals, but it sounds like his goals is to mainly lose weight. <laughs> yep, totally. <laughs> and get yeah, rid of the like pain to, so you can do and, that. Exactly. Um, so, Bob, just talk me through, for the case of not for myself, but for listeners out there, right, for clinical reasoning purposes, what is what are 
do you feel like are the essential pieces of the subjective exam that you want to make sure you get from from maybe not every patient but most patients before you move on to objective? Yeah, I'm just going to kind of go through. So, so how I practice, like like we talked about, I use the the McKenzie method assessment a, a lot, or, or most of, or all the time when I'm treating somebody. That's all I use in terms of my my head and thinking process. Um, and the main thing that I want to know is is on day one, how can I classify this patient so I can best understand them, so I can best help them? Um, so, so there's a few classifications in my head that's kind of going through right now. But, but some of the big questions is, okay, where does does the pain hurt, or where is the pain located? Is it like in, in the arm? Is it is it in the neck? Um, is it just mainly thoracic spine? Is it lower back? That can help rule things in and out for me. Uh, yep. The second thing is, like you said, if it's constant or intermittent. If it's constant symptoms, that can rule a lot of things off the table that are that are mechanical for me. Um, whereas intermittent can also play around a lot. So constant intermittent, instead it's constant 24/7. It's been going on for for it's 10 12 years. Constant 24/7, but also it changes with um, movements and positions and things as well too. Yes, yes. So, so it's variable in nature, but it's constant Correct. in terms Correct. of it's always there. Um, the time frame, 10 to 12 years. Yep, with being worse in the last year or so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really add anything else. I just know it's been going on for a long time compared to something that's like a day old, something maybe a little bit more fragile. This can be, we can be pretty, I don't want to say uh, afraid, but we can kind of move this uh, without being too fearful based on its, its chronicity. And that, that's what's going on in my head. Absolutely. And then the things that bother it or make it better. And then you said one is the exercise, right? Driving, um, yep. the breathing. Yep. So those all provide clues into what I'm, I think is going on. I, I personally think that before I, I go into my objective, objective exam, I think <clears throat> um, the, the thoracic spine is where I'm going to be looking first. Now, you probably may have looked somewhere else. But that's what's going on in my head, just because the main thing is one pain location, but also the two, the, the deep breath. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of that could be a very big component of rib or thoracic spine pain, like a clue for that. So that, that's where, where I'm going first in my head. Absolutely. I, li- I like the thought process so far, Bob. So take me through um, objective. My thought for this is just, you know, you can ask, you know, very detailed for individual things, or you can ask kind of broad picture, like, hey, what do you find for this type of testing? Sure. Um, so sitting right now, obviously, you have constant symptoms. So just to clarify, is it the three locations that we talked about, or is it just in the primary thoracic left rib area? Yeah, just just primarily in that left rib area, the upper trap area, no pain right now, paraspinals, no pain right now. Um, as the patient sitting there a little bit slouched forward, rounded um, shoulders partially um, because that's just the way that they normally are hanging out talking, but also it's like they're bigger guys, so they're used to kind of looking down, approaching people different. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to first set this guy up and just, just see what posture correction did. I don't know. Did Great. you look at that? Yep. Yep. So um, sitting upright, no change in sensations at all. Still had the constant level pain um you know he came up to an extended position we didn't go into like excessive thoracic extension overpressure or anything but just posture correction you know he felt oh maybe it felt like a change a little bit at first but then right back to where it was uh, you said it changed a little bit is that what you said yeah so it, it was like in transition so like let's say the resting pain was about a three the pain went to like a two and a half for a second but right back to a three again once it settled okay all right um, so at that point, I, I would just look at a range of motion for the thoracic spine. Okay. How are you doing that? Uh, sitting, standing? So I, I would do it sitting, just checking rotation. Yep. Um, cool. Rotation extension. to the right. Yep. Um, yep. Let's go rotation to the right. Nope. Um, a little bit limited. Let's say he had 75% of range. I had some pulling in that left rib area. Um, rotation to the left, about 10% into the motion very sharp shooting pain that he did not want to push through that was radiating from those left rib areas all the way lateral for him. That was a true reproduction of symptoms. 
Um, flexion for him was a pulling in that area, both in the paraspinal region, other than the ribs as well. Just kind of like an achy pull, nothing that he couldn't handle. And extension was stiff to get into, but no no symptoms at all. Okay. Um, and, and just just to clarify, just so I heard that right, so it was ten percent of movement in the left. Correct. So he barely he barely moved before he had reproduction symptoms. Sure. Um, did you check anything else? I, I would just start kind of moving him, uh, but but did you get any other objective measures that you think would be important? Yep. Um, so the other thing I did was because I was curious for a thoracic more, I brought his upper thoracic into a little bit of flexion to wind it up. Uh, then I did rotation biasing mid thoracic there. Um, it actually made, it was interesting for me, right was the same left rotation um, relieved a little bit of tension, just adding some upper thoracic flexion into the system, but not by much. It still reproduced it pretty good. Um, I did clear a cervical spine, so I did full cervical range of motion, over pressures in all directions, and those were clean, clear, and no symptoms at all. Um, but I did want to investigate those more later on. I did screen shoulder um, full flexion, just make sure he had overhead range that wasn't pulling or doing anything crazy weird at the scaps. Um, overpressed shoulder, that was completely clean as well. Sure. Um, okay. Are you now, now, Bob, are you looking for any other objective findings at all or more of, like, specific testing I did? Uh, I, I, I'm good. So, so in terms of my thought process, okay, I have my that, – that left – that left rotation is pretty big and obvious, and, and that produced his concordance sign. That, that's my main. That was the main thing of my objective cool. finding. Sure, I get my range of motion, but I also want to see what my baseline is. Kind of thing. absolutely. So, are you saying you'd be done with objective at this point, or going to uh, and going to more treatment, or what? What are you saying now? Yeah, I'm going to go into more treatment. But I, if you've got more objective, I, I just love to hear it. Uh, cool. I got. I got some. I got some fun stuff to throw at you. To actually, Bob, here's what I'm going to do. Because um, there are many times I would use that and go right into treatment from there. Let's hear what you are going to do. And then I'm going to share my additional findings later on after you share that to see if it muddies the water or clarifies some things. Sure, 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 yeah. Um, so I, I just want to see him, if he starts doing some thoracic extensions, what happens Okay, totally. So repeated thoracic extensions, I like it. Um, so I did not do um, repeated motions with him, so I'm going to um, make this up with the case. And for this, you're having him seated and just going backwards in the extension? Yeah, over the, the over the chair. Yep, perfect. Okay. Um, and are you specifically trying to target, like, the back of the chair at that one local area? Uh, maybe, like, a segment below it. Okay, yeah, cool, totally. Um, so he's doing that. It's actually when you have it localized more to that region instead of just general thoracic extension, it irritates it a lot at first. He's definitely hesitant going more. Um, but as he continues to do it, at least into extension, it loosens up a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I, I would have him do a lot. Um, but but what happens? So so let's say he does like 30 of those. Totally. What happens to his, his left rotation? Yep, there's a and little again, bit more. Go ahead. And again, it's hard to it's hard to tell because, <laughs> because right, cause, in terms of I'm, I'm gonna let you know that I, I I went down a little bit of a different route here. Sure. So um, any anyways um, what I'm gonna say that makes sense for this case is it got a little bit better where he still feels a sharp shooting pain to the same quality. Instead of being able to move just ten percent, he can move twenty five percent now. W with less pain. With no same amount of pain, just more oh, motion. Same amount of pain. Got it. Got yep. It, got it. Yeah. Uh, if I were just, uh, we'll keep on going down my thought process. I, I would, I'd have him do more. I'd probably have him do like another thirty. Cool. So what I'm going to say is that no matter how many we do, he eventually gets a little bit less pain. Eventually, gets like thirty percent of the motion instead of ten percent. But kind of, at least in the clinic that day, plateaus after that. Sure. Yeah. And then, I mean, I'm, I would just send him home with that. Awesome. Totally. Uh, that would that would be my thought process in terms of okay, the motion is better, in my opinion. I mean, twenty percent, thirty percent, a little bit better, right? A little bit better with um, pain. Now I have like just thirty minute treatment and eval times. 
Um, so, so I need to be a little quicker in terms of my thought process yeah, and what totally. I need to do. Uh, but as as that happens to me, that's like, okay, there's improvement. Even though it's not perfect, I'm going to have them test this over time, like uh, test this over two or three days. The, the biggest concern for me is if that was, was to worsen his left rotation, like right. if it was 10% limited, he did more extension and that even got, got worse, yep. then, then okay, well, we got to change something up. But, but to me, that, that's, that's a good starting point right now. Next visit, I'll put my hands on or whatever um, to, to really push him if he needs it. That was actually one of the things, Bob, that I did give him um, to work on with a couple other things as well. Sure. So let me let me add an interesting variable here for you. Um, and again, this is at my – so I have two different clinics I work at. One of them, I'm allocated 45 minutes for evals. Um, the other one, I'm allocated an hour for evals. So this was when I had an hour for the eval with him. So I did have a little bit more time, a little more leeway than it sounds like um, you would have for a patient similar to this. Um, so I, I had some time to experiment a little bit. So the interesting thing was I was, I was kind of curious. I had him prone, um, seeing what palpation was like both in that region and other regions as well. And I wouldn't do this for everybody, but I was curious about that lumbar finding just to see what baseline was. Less so because of this one related area, but more so for me because, hey, I'm going to get him up and moving and exercising and doing a bunch of stuff that he hasn't done in a number of years. Let me assess and see what baseline quality is at before we get him going there. Um, anyways, the really here's the interesting thing. What I was not surprised by was left-sided thoracic was stiffer. There was nothing there that reproduced his symptoms. Um, he certainly had the paraspinal tenderness. I could dig in kind of at inferior angle of the scap and reproduce some of his symptoms a little bit, but it wasn't really. Costa transverse junction for like T7, um, reproduced some of the symptoms. It wasn't sharp shooting, just kind of achy. Um, cervical, totally fine, nothing referred whatsoever. Ramped it up pretty hard just to make sure he's all clean. Lumbar, I did like to do lumbar PAs just out of curiosity. Here's the fascinating part, Bob. When I was palpating on the right side of lumbar um, in the L4, L5 area, close to where he had the disc herniation, it did not hurt him. It felt like more resistance to me. That reproduces symptoms up at the left rib. Sure. And so that was an interesting part for me where that's not a pattern that I had seen um, too often. Mm-hmm. And so I chose to investigate that further, got him back up, did a seated slump with him, and sure enough, right-sided, dural tension, limited on the right, that reproduces symptoms directly in the left thoracic area for him as well. And so oh, maybe, it, yeah, yep. So, um, and again, I kind of brought him in and out of lumbar, uh, sorry, out of thoracic movement for that. So I really kept him more straight up and gave him the slump from below where it shouldn't affect the thoracic at all. And even that reproduced the symptoms as well. So my thought process is going on, okay, is this lumbar disc a little bit of a, confounding factor because I did a slump from the left side from below with the leg, no symptoms whatsoever, but doing the right side with having the right side of lumbar disc issue did bring that on. Um, so basically for going home with this guy, and I did a couple other things for um, treatment for what he needed um, and taking a look at some other um, small things as well as far as like exercise tolerance where we could start out with him. I gave him some seated thoracic extension, like you mentioned. I gave him some local lumbar extension just to free tension into the nerve, into that area. I got him going on some elliptic. Go ahead. Nick, uh, what, what happened when you did the, just some lumbar extensions to, to free it up the lumbar, to, to that scapula pain? Yep. I, I retested slump test and uh, slump was better, was more clean, less thoracic rotation. Um, similar to your extensions was a little bit of relief. Um, so definitely it was better. It had some less pain and a little bit of relief with left rotation, but it wasn't out of this world or anything. Sure. Um, so there's at least enough for me to, um, pursue that element of it. Um, so it's chased down a little bit. And in my mind, I was going back and forth. Do I stay with just lumbar? Do I stay with just thoracic? Um, I felt pretty confident in my clinical reasoning. Um, some people may disagree a lot. I went down both of them at the same time, not to waste this guy's time because his condition was stable. Um, my thought from a postural standpoint was he's going to need a thoracic extension anyways. 
And if we just happen to get it moving in a stiffer lumbar area and it doesn't have a direct effect, then that's shame on my clinical reasoning, but still better for the patient. So I'm totally cool with that. Um, uh, then also, just to throw some more variables in there, a lot of his big thing was he was having a hard time lifting with different movements because of the pain. I felt like there would be, he was safe to do so. There is nothing I'm seeing in the exam that would limit that. We got him deadlifting some lightweight in the clinic because that was one thing that he said that it wasn't aggravating for him, but he was fearful of doing that for a couple of years and it had bothered his pain in the past. So we got him in the clinic deadlifting a barbell um, and he was actually surprised because pulling the weight itself, he never had a problem with before. It was more about going down into that lower position um, for starting the pull, similar to like a little bit of a slump position. And so just getting him down in that position, he felt better than he typically had before. And so we got him doing some relatively lighter weight deadlifts with the barbell for part of his home exercise as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then did he, did he get a follow-up visit with him by any chance? Yep. Yep. So I've had a follow-up visit. I've had a couple follow-up visits with him. Um, initially, um, after for the first follow-up, he was doing better. Um, left rotation repro- improved. Um, Pretty spectacular, actually. Um, going to only about 10%, he got about 75% of the full range of motion. Um, so still wasn't as much as the right because the right side cleaned up even more, too, after just getting everything um, moving more. Still no symptoms with the neck at all. Neck was still fine. Paraspinal tension about the same as he gets acclimated to the load there. Um, the sharpness of the quality of the rib had gone down, um, where it's still there and still happens at times. Still a little bit sensitive to keeping pressure back on against the seat, but less so. Um, so overall, significant improvement. Visit three comes back for um, the second follow-up visit. And as he's been deadlifting more, working out more, he had a little bit more of increase in the symptoms. Um, and that, of course, is always funny with patients, right, where it's that he's still better off than he was when he initially came to see me, to see me and he's way more active but he became a lot more concerned because instead of just getting better, 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 like this gradual trajectory, he had a little bit of a backward step for the three forward steps he had. And so he was concerned about that. Um, He actually elected to at this point, so I'd only seen him for the two follow-up visits. He wanted to go get things checked out, even though he had thoracic MRI before about five years ago. Um, There was a level of concern for him where he wanted to get medically cleared again because he was concerned that, oh, my pain's getting worse, and because I'm exercising more, it's making it a little bit harder for him to sleep at night quite as easily because of the pressure um, on that back area for him. So I actually have not seen him more than two follow-up visits, and he's in the process right now of getting another medical workup, another just thoracic MRI, seeing what orthopedics has to say about it before he comes back to see me again out of his preference. Sure. Nick, how do you... I'm curious with you, how do you, I guess, if a patient says that to you, um, how do you, I guess, explain or, or reason? What was your education for that, Graham? Um, when he, sorry, about which part, Bob, when he came back and said, hey, I want to get a medical workup? Correct. Yeah. Um, I, initially, I, I've been a lot more combative with patients, um, arguing that, hey, they don't need it, whatever. Um, and I think I've learned from poor experience that that hasn't gotten me as far. Um, there's still only time to educate and everything. So what I told them is, hey, man, I'm pretty confident. I know what's going on. This is how you're responding. This is why you're responding this way. Here are the different factors at play, and we can work to modulate the load a little bit to make it more comfortable if we need to. But we know this is also safe for you. Um, we did have these findings in the medical workup from this for this long ago, and everything checked out really good. There's um, getting additional imaging, there's nothing new that would tell me. But I also told him, hey, man, if you want to get it, right, that's your right as a patient, and I'm fine with you requesting that. I'd recommend that we still work on this in the meantime, but I'm totally fine with that. So I want his autonomy. I don't want to block him from getting, even if he gets an MRI and there's nothing, right, at least it's a little bit more peace of mind for him that lets us continue on working together. And so I was totally fine with that. Um, he just chose to kind of stop PT warmly until he gets an answer. So I just told him, hey, man, keep doing the exercises. If you have any questions, I'm always here for you to reach out to me. Sure. Yeah. It goes to that point of um, the saying of, oh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink the water. 
Yeah, and and here's the good thing is that dude already took a good drink and he knows what it tastes like. He knows that he knows that yeah. it's beneficial, um, and sure. it's there when he wants it again. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. That's interesting. Did, did you ever go on visit two? Did you ever go into like um, like mobilizations or or anything like that? So, I mean, actually, I did a little bit on visit one too right away in the eval. Oh, um, sure. I just said, hey, man, we're getting after this thing. We know what's up. Um, yeah, so I did on um, I did on visit two as well, the first follow-up visit. And, again, that was, um, you know, not out of this world, not a home run or anything, but for the chronicity of symptoms, he was doing pretty good, and that definitely was helpful. Sure. And how often were you having him do his exercises? Just a few times a day? Uh, yeah, the, let me think and break it down. Um, we had more of a – like the deadlifts and some of the other strengthening with the classic three times a week that you do for normal workout intervals. We started with just sure. um, two sets of these into a working his way up to four sets with good symptom response. Um, some of the other arm workouts and modified stuff as well. Um, for some reason, he was hesitant to do dips, wanted to do dips. I'm like, bro, you're fine. Do dips. And he was totally cool with that. Um, but as far as specific treatment for a thoracic extension, lumbar extension, um, those we kind of agreed upon together about the four times a day were, was pretty reasonable for him. Um, you know, I'd say ideal if you could squeeze a little bit more in there just to kind of hammer this down early on. So he understood, and there were a couple times he'd be able to do a little bit more, but usually four times a day or so for those. Um, I like anywhere between like three and six for just get a high frequency in there. Um, some of his cardio was daily that we had him do for the elliptical gradually over time, increasing his thoracic rotation while he got more blood flow through the area. Um, that's kind of the dosage I took, Bob. What are your thoughts with that? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. You know, it's interesting listening to, to your case um, of, like, how similar kind of our, our thought processes are and our treatment styles are. But I'm curious, Nick, what was your, like, going into the examination, when, when you sit down with the person for the first time, what, what is your reasoning what is your is there a structure to, to how you think in terms of um, going to like looking at the lumbar spine and then going PAs through there uh, I understand the cervical and the shoulder component yep. but I, I just I just want to hear more about I guess what's in your totally. head about yep. the from, structure from this patient what told the reason I went there because most patients I wouldn't if it was just an MRI finding I'd say you know whatever the thing that was interesting to me, and actually when I presented this, Bob, I messed up the order. What I did was I, I did like a quick neuro screen, whatever, like heel walk, toe walk, like red flag stuff, make sure he was fine there. But when he mentioned the deadlift position, that was really difficult for him getting down. Um, the slump thing got in my head a little bit. So I, te- oh, sure. I tested slump with him. Other than that's what brought it on for him with the right leg going out for tension for left rib pain. And that's where I said, you know what? I've got time here. I'm just kind of curious. It was honestly sure. more of a curiosity thing. I, that's when I went to lumbar um, tabs for PAs. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, can I walk you through what, what was going through my head, like how I structured it? Yeah, please go ahead. So, so in in my head, I, I'm thinking about this acronym. Um, it, it's LCDF, so location classification, force, and um, direction? Yep. Did I say that right? LCDF, location, classification, direction, force. There we go. LCDF. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, for me, it's like, okay, location, this 100% sounds like thoracic or rib area, right? Deep, deep breath, localized pain in that area. Um, in terms of the classification, uh, in terms of the MDT classification, based on it being constant, we can rule out so many different things, and most of the time it's going to be what we call derangement, which is something that has directional preference. Um, so that's highly on the table versus something that's just mechanical and we can't fix based on uh, in terms of the chronicity and things like that. Um, and then direction, it sounds like through his history, when he lifts, I assume when he lifts, he, he goes into significant flexion based on all of his weight. And when he's sitting and driving, also that significant flexion. Um, and deep breath, that, again, more of that flexion movement that really aggravates that thoracic spine. So I'm like, okay, let's start with extension movements. But based on his range of motion, since there was such a significant loss in lateral, that makes me think, oh, maybe this this is something of relevance as well. 
but to me, I, I want to I want to exhaust the extension force. And to me, so the last one is his F, which is force, is, is how many repetitions does it take for him to have a meaningful change in the clinic? And then for me, that for him to have to do that at home. So let's say it took him 60 thoracic extensions for him to get 30% improvement. I would have him do 60 every hour or every two hours. Gotcha. So you're um, basically part of that is your, let me twist your words a little bit, Bob. Let me know if it's accurate. Is that you're looking for kind of what's the minimally clinically effective dosage other than having him re- apply that dosage at a high frequency throughout the day. Correct. It, okay. it, it is a derangement. Um, sure, if correct. It correct. If, it, if it's correctly classified. Correct, correct. But like, I wouldn't have him do that if if there was, I can't help him day one. I, I would do something to see. Um, well, I, I would still test extension over time, test it over time kind of thing. Sure. Um, but, but if he comes back and he's no different and I kind of go through mobilizations, manipulations, kind of go through all that and really there's nothing changing, then I would change my location. Or classification. Now, now let's say, Bob, I'm just curious, or let's say you couldn't make any change in clinic. Um, and I know you mentioned that your potential concern with this patient about, hey, man, I want to make sure rotation doesn't get worse. Um, let's say that it's no better, but also no worse either. What would, I know this is very hypothetical. What might your approximate dosage be if you continue to go down the thoracic extension route for this patient? Yeah. Other, other I, what, I, what, on- what warning signs might you give them to either continue in it and go after it harder or to stop that? Sure. I, I would sit the patient down if they're standing and be like, hey, hey, man, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, right now in the clinic, we're not finding anything that's providing any meaningful change for you. But the, the system in terms of our physical therapy, this is this is really an assessment process. And what I would like you to be is you're going to go home and you're going to be the assessor for me. You're going to, you're going to kind of be like the physical therapist. I'm going to have you this do this movement that we just did in the chair because it sounds like from your history that this may be something helpful. We don't know yet. We're going to go home and test it. You're going to go home. Let's try 20 every two, one to two hours, two to three hours, whatever you feel like is good for you. And every so often, just check your ability to turn to the left. If it starts feeling better, okay, increase that until you increase the amount of times you're doing the backward bends until you feel like, oh, it actually keeps on improving. If it stops, starts to get worse, you stop, we'll come back and reassess. And, and even if it does get worse, that's actually a good sign because the uh, the best thing we can have is, is something changing the our exam, and that gives us more information to best help you. That, that's kind of how I would if this was hypothetical. Yeah, totally. I think you know, that sounds like a very um, safe approach for day one where you put some boundaries, some limitations up there. Um, but also some like a good framework that can apply for multiple types of patients. Um, but it also gives you the ability to find out some good information for it and give them that education that, hey, dude, things might get worse. That's within the certain confines of it. That's not the end of the world. That's actually helpful in me helping you long term. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this was very interesting, Nick, in terms of hearing how you kind of go through, you know, because I'm always curious what, what y- you do. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, I mean, I, I kind of heard your thought process a little bit and to shed a little more light on maybe not just this patient, but most patients for me um, coming in, it's really understanding, you know, from their words, their perspective, what is their main subjective concern? And many times that's not the body part or region that's a, a fear or something that's a barrier getting the way or something else that they want to be able to to do or make sure it's not this other thing, right? So making sure that my exam end of the day rules in or rules out their concern or provides evidence for that to address that directly. But then similar to you, location, 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 that's where the money is. And so can we understand where the whole body chart drawn out is to better understand what the potential tissue source or tissue sources are? And for me, I'm looking at, okay, what's the tissue source for the issue other than What's the stress that's being placed on the tissue force, right? Is it too much rotation, compression, tensile, shear, whatever it might be? Uh, then what are the larger components at play that affect that? Where are the potential mobility deficits that are um, primary or secondary contributing factors to that? Where do they not have enough strength or motor control coordination that um, influences all that? In the past, well, in the very early, 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 um, in my PT career, I would have said, hey, let me just go and treat all of them. 
but that didn't give me enough of a clinical reasoning pattern to build those patterns up. And so I started, I was trained through residency to be much more of a sniper to get one thing individually, stick with it um, for at least a short period of time to really see what kind of effect that has. And that taught me well to see, okay, there's power in that and trying to give patients what they need the most without overdiagnosing them. So I got my clear patterns. But as I feel more confident in my patterns over time, I'm still accountable for them. But if there's a presentation that's simpler, that's not too complex, I'll fire off multiple single shots at a time, understanding and knowing that I'm responsible for where each shot lands. So, like, for this guy, I, I knew what I anticipated would happen with lumbar. I knew what I anticipated would happen with thoracic for the mobilizations. I knew what I would anticipate for getting his cardiovascular system going more, introducing a slight rotary component to it, but giving him guidelines for tolerance. I knew what I anticipated, some of his response for both symptom irritation, muscle soreness, and tightness from some of the deadlift positions would do as we continued to go after more neural-type mobilization strategies for him to help him with some of these things and kind of stack the order of it. So, in truth, that could have backfired, but I would have at least been able to figure out where each component came from at this stage, whereas in the past I might have done that too immaturely. But there are definitely times, Bob, where patients, their presentation at the time, at least in the moment, is a little bit, I wouldn't say too confusing, but it's not as clear-cut or as simple for me. And so I am taking the time to really slow it down and use it as a, use treatment as more of an assessment process too, so that I can better understand, hey, here's how this one thing affected your presentation. Let's build on it from there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I think that's the thing, right? You, you, you got to know what the thing you did affected what you think it affected. Correct. Right? Like, like, like if you do 10 different things, but you don't know what's going to affect what, you, they come back and they're worse and you're like, okay, what, what do I change? Exactly. Or let's say they get, they get better of, okay, what, what do they, what, what do I change with that? How do I progress that? Kind of I thing? agree. Cause, cause for me too, that's as much of a failure. If you send someone home with, you know, 10 different things or seven different things, it's like, why well, are they stuck with that for the rest of their life? Like, that doesn't, like, sure, it helps them get out of maybe their immediate suffering, but in some ways it gets them more stuck in other places, too. Sure. You know, unfortunately, um, to me, it, it is a double-edged sword uh, for patients in terms of what I do is that that's mainly how I kind of reason through most, pa- most patients. And day one, nine out of ten times, unless they're like a gait and balance person, I'm sending them home with one thing to sure. really figure out what the what the problem is for for, for me. For for my my brain's not as big as your brain there. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that, Bob. But but it, it's a double edged sword in the in the in the way that sure, it's it's one thing and the and the patient can really focus on it. Mm-hmm. But in their patient's perspective, it's like I paid a fifty dollar copay just to get this one thing. And then you kind of have to kind of explain well, and I that think that, that's, that might be part of it. I think it's even less about that. And from my perspective, too, again, when it's needed for clinical reasoning, please do it. Um, but there are also sure. times when I think, okay, let's, I'm going to paint you with the extreme picture here for an example. A case that literally needs, I'm not going to say no clinical reasoning, but barely any clinical reasoning. Bob, let's say you get a patient coming to you for an eval, and they are three weeks status post, a total knee replacement. This is a replacement that went fine. There's no infection, no uh, missed redict from the back. This is a straight-up, a total knee patient. You have no eval. You have no subjective. You have no objective. What are you giving them for exercises? Yeah, I mean, the the, the, the quad sets, right, heel, heel slides, the basic general post-ops. The, the, the things totally. you can print out on the sheet. Totally. It's like you the, – the takeaway here is you need stuff to get their knee more extension, more flexion. You need to get that muscle crazy strong. Plus, maybe early stage work and a few functional things, maybe get them on a bike a little bit. Um, You don't need clinical reasoning to say, hey, this is the one thing that you need. Oh, no, no, I'm going to see how this knee extension thing works before we work on any knee flexion or before we work on any muscle strength. Yeah, they're going to get better, dude. That's fine, but it's just going to take a while for that. So I think I'm reminded of in my practice is, cool, when they need that one thing, let's totally give them the one thing. And like you said, Bob, the detriment in that is, well, there's a potential chance that it can have, like, slower progress than otherwise would be. But the caveat to that is I think what you're really good at in building these patterns, especially with, 
you know, some of the McKenzie assessment method is that, well, what's worse off than having a slow start is having a false start in the wrong direction. And I think that that assessment of kind of knowing, hey, I did the thing, here's what the thing did, that's huge in making sure people get off to the right track. Sure. Yeah, it, it, it's um, – another point to that is um, in terms of belief systems as well, right, somebody's – somebody comes in with, with shoulder a shoulder issue and then you're, you're pretty confident the pain's coming from the neck. Scapular pain, they have pain when they turn the same side, when they move their neck, their shoulder hurts, but they're convinced yep. it's their shoulder, right? On that occasion, sure, you send them home with neck movements, but you also send them home with some shoulder movements just so you don't bias their beliefs, or I'm sorry, you don't interfere with their beliefs. Um, and and I, that was just on my mind. I just thought that or, would be or, to share. Or here's, here's the third option, too. Maybe you intentionally go after their beliefs, right? Because if they have this belief and no matter how many next stuff you do, they might, because what's to say, Bob, three or four visits later, they're like, hey, we've kind of progressed all this next stuff. We haven't progressed my shoulder stuff. What's up with that dude? It may, there may be some patient presentations, at least psychologically, where it might be a benefit to say, you know what? I'm pretty damn convinced this is the next thing. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to treat the crap out of your shoulder because you know they've got that strong belief. Now and they come back and they're like, hey, man, my shoulder, dude, it's no better. You're like, huh, that's interesting. You can kind of walk them through that process a little bit. So that can be a bit of a precarious road to go down for them. Um, but I'd argue that sometimes patient, depending on the acuity and what's going on with the patient, treating their belief system can be even more powerful than treating their physical impairment. You know, placebo is a hell of a drug. So, yep. I get it. Well, yeah. well, and, and Bob, I'm, I'm even, I'm not even saying that it's going to help them. I'm saying you treat the shoulder, they don't get better, and then they're like, "What now?" Sure. Yeah. Yes. There have been many cases where you you treat the shoulder for for two visits, and they're like, "Okay, can we look at the neck now?" <laughs> and they're like, "Yep, let's do it." And, and then the, this stuff starts to happen. But but yes, I I, I, I understand where you're coming from there. Well, I think, you know, for a first trial of this thing, I think it wasn't complete flames, Bob. I appreciate what you brought to the table, man. And it was, it was you know, good hearing I, your perspective, good hearing, uh, you know, the background you come from, putting it into practice, hearing, you know, how different things from our different schools of thought and our different clinic restrictions um, influence the decisions we make and, end of the day, just helping our patients get better. Yeah, I mean, this is this was fun. I mean, just looking at the time right now, we talked for 52 minutes, but... It felt like five to me, <laughs> so I really enjoyed it. I I do have I do have a case to share as well. We'll, we'll do next time, whenever we meet in a month or or, or closer to that, if, if need be. Um, but it was quite enjoyable, Nick. All right, Bob. You take care, my friend. I'll be looking forward to the next case. Yep. All right, Nick. Take care. But I hope you feel better. Thanks, man. <laughs>